Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, and with me all the way across the pond is the gold standard in ghost hunting, the most honorable Steve Parsons. Yo, how's it hanging, dude? Yes. Well, the you star... know, everybody wants to be an Anglophile, so I'm going to be an American tonight. Star of West Files and other things. Star of In Search of, if you don't mind. Yeah, there you go. Anyways, so uh, we've got a great show because we have the leading American expert on English ghosts, uh, <laughs> Mr. Rick Hill. Uh, hello, thanks for having me on. A leading expert in English ghosts. That's, 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 that's amazing. What, that's what Steve and I refer to you because you're always writing about them, so you must be the leading expert. I don't know if I'm the leading expert, but I'm I'm pretty knowledgeable about haunted places that I have never been to. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> it's it's quite amusing because we we just had a royal wedding and now we're going to have a royal baby. But every time oh, we have yeah. a royal yeah every time we have a royal wedding here in the UK, the the media always fills up our television always fills up with royal experts and they're all American. Yeah, you know what I noticed that too. Um, watching, you know, Good Morning America and all that. And it's like they're always American and they're always talking about, you know, about their expertise in the British family. Um, I, I just, I think that that's funny. Uh, my, my interest in in um, in uh, um, British um, ghosts and, you know, haunted British areas it started with me as a kid because here, you know, back in the early 80s, we didn't have all the... Um, uh, resources that we have today where you can just walk into a library or into a bookstore and find stacks and stacks of books on haunted places. We had maybe 10 at the most books and they were all about British hauntings at the uh, Chicago public library. And that's, you know, that's kind of where, where, you know, my love for, um, for British ghost stories and, and, you know, and, and, um, you know, haunted British locations began. Cool. You know, you'd be disappointed actually if you visited most of them. <laughs> yeah, you know, in reality, you're not the first person. I know you're not. You're not the first person to tell me that. But you know, we don't get too many 600-year-old castles here in no, Chicago. That's true. So you know, so it's like I, I I enjoy the stories and I I appreciate the tradition behind them. I, I, I know that we are a bit spoilt for 600-year-old castles. Um, but in, in reality, many, many of the most notorious and most famous British cases, when you, when you scratch beneath the surface, are actually more folklore and legend than reality. Sure. Um, but they are cool well, stories, I mean, nonetheless. Yeah, they are cool stories. And I think, but I, I think that, that that goes towards any kind of ghost story or haunted location that... You know, over time, things get embellished, and yes, at one time, or maybe there is something that is there that 
started the story and it just kind of snowballed from that. Well, there's, there's certainly I mean, wouldn't you guys agree? Oh yeah, I was going to say there's certainly a grain of truth in that. Many of the many of the stories, when you do scratch beneath the surface, that there, there is something. Usually, I mean, there was one I was just trying to recall then. Um, can't name, remember the name of the place, but it was reputedly haunted back in the 17th century. Uh, it was reported mm-hmm. by the um, occupying parliament uh, royal parliamentarian troops, and it turned mm-hmm. out it was actually the butler. He was a royalist supporter creeping around behind the walls trying to scare them out of his master's house. Um, yeah. And that, that became a long-standing ghost story uh, that was sort of passed down through the generations and passed down through the books. You know, the, the books mm-hmm. uh, by the likes of Elliot O'Donnell, were, he would just retell the story without ever actually visiting the location. Uh, because, right. you know, like a lot of the early ghost, uh, ghost investigators or ghost hunters... He wasn't, in reality, just a storyteller. Right. But another they are very cool Elliot stories. O'Donnell. Yeah, they are. And, you know, another really interesting fact about Elliot O'Donnell, who was, you know, one of the uh, authors that I read quite a bit when I was a kid, for a short while, he was a Chicago cop. I never knew that. I didn't know that yeah, about Elliot. He was. He was. He was a Chicago police officer for a, uh, for a short period of time. I think it was back in the 1920s. Wow. Maybe before then, but yeah, for a real short period of time, he was um, one of our boys. Something in I didn't, that's, yeah, something I didn't know about Elliot, uh, and he wrote widely on, on more diverse subjects than than just ghosts. Uh, he did a particular sure. series of books on sea monsters um, mm-hmm. and, and other sort of mythical, fantastical, supernatural stories and tales. And right. he, there were many, many other authors uh, around that time. Um, Hubert Thurston um, and others who were all contributed to that sort of great tradition of storytelling, which later evolved with um, the likes of Price and Underwood into, of course, doing more than just visiting the location and then telling the story or spending a a night with a glass of brandy sitting on the stairs. Sure. Yeah, and I I think that that's like, I think that's that's one of the important parts of what we do, you know, as ghost hunters, paranormal investigators, psychical researchers, whatever it is that you choose to call yourself. I know, Steve, you like to call yourself a manisologist, but um, I think that telling I, the story... I stopped using that a long time ago. I gave up trying to explain oh, what it did? meant. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was too difficult. I was not aware to, of that. Yeah, no, it was too difficult. I, I just, I'd always been the ghost hunter. And uh, that's yeah. that's where I reverted to because manisologist was a strikeout against paranormal investigator, which was a very broad, mm-hmm. a very broad title and encompassed all manner of uh, tree huggers, wackos, and weirdos. Uh, in addition to ghost hunters, so I thought, well, we should have one of our own, and uh, started yeah. a campaign for manisology. Then, after about twelve months, um, decided that I was too. It was far too much effort to keep constantly explaining what it meant. Right. You know, and it's like, I, I love the term ghost hunter. I have, I have called myself that since I did my first investigation in the early nineties. And, um, I, I, I like the tradition behind it. Now I, here in the United States, people do not like the term ghost hunter. If they, they are like, they, 
are offended by it. It it seems that like it's some kind of like slur. And I just tell people like I was involved recently in this uh, you know Facebook thread about it, and I just said if that term was good enough for the fathers of this, you know people. You know, like Elliot O'Donnell or um, Harry Price or Hans Holzer, they call themselves ghost hunters. If that term was good enough for them, it's good enough for me. And I, I, I love the term. <laughs> and it's, I just really, it, I don't care if people don't like it because it's, it's, it's a, it's a term that's steeped in tradition. And it pretty much describes what what it is that we're doing, uh, because hunting sure. doesn't mean hunting with rifles. Uh, Ron, right. what do you prefer? Do you, paranormal investigator or ghost hunter? Or I can else? give a crap what they call me. <laughs> <laughs> that is That's an honest opinion. You right That's a New Englander. Yeah. Anyway, so Rick, uh, what is your favorite? Thing. What is your favorite ghost story? A ghost. Um, and I, okay, ghost story. And I know that Steve is going to. I, I know that he will probably sharply rebuke me for this. Oh, if, said, if it's a story, I, was, I won't. Okay. So story then. It it is it would have to be um fifty Berkeley Square in London. You you were gonna say that is the first ghost story I ever read and um and I think that that's what really got me fascinated with um with English ghost stories and English hauntings. Now I know Steve, that you've told me this probably more than once that it's not really haunted, but it's still a, it's still a cool story nonetheless. That's I, Steve's opinion anyway. He don't think anything. Uh, it's haunted. got nothing to do with my opinion. Um, it's 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 a fact that it's always the, a fact it's that a the fact. case that the case was based on a story and is a story and right. remains a story. Well, but, well, well, well. well for our listeners, I shall Rick, refer you to the society. For our listeners, Rick, why don't you give, for our listeners, Rick, why don't you give us a, a synopsis of the story? Well, the synopsis of the 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 rundown of the story is is that Fifty Berkeley Square, which is now the Mags um, Mags Brothers um, Antiquarian Bookstore in London, was believed at one time to be haunted by this horrible ghost um i think that i think that in one story i in in one writing i actually read that it was described as this horrible oozing type monstrous creature that would come out in the middle of the night as people they slept in one of the upstairs rooms and i mean this according to the story this is a ghost that has an actual body count it's it's Stopped the heart of like of a of a young rich man who slept in the room one night with a gun and a bell and his friends who were sitting down below heard the gun go off heard the bell go off went upstairs and found him dead. But I think my favorite part of the story is are the uh, two sailors that broke into the building late one night because they were looking for a way to get out of the rain and um, while they were sleeping they were all of a sudden attacked by this ghost. And one of the sailors was able to get out while the other sailor, depending on who tells the story, either jumped from this window on the, in the upper, on the upper floors, or he was thrown through the window by the ghost. But when the other sailor brought the police by, they found his body impaled on the, um, 
uh, on the fence down below. So I, I just I, I, I think that the, these, this this story definitely has an element of horror, and and that's that's one of the things that I like about it. Not that Pope, I'm like a Pope huge could have written that very story. What's that? I was going to say, Edgar Allan Poe could have written the story. There's actually another version of it as oh, well, yeah. where, where one of the sailors was discovered uh, in the room, uh, just a gibbering mad wreck who spent the rest yes. of his days confined in an asylum. Yeah. Yeah, and, and a lot of people, they say that what this ghost was is that the ghost was like this, um, was this guy who went insane and uh you know locked himself up in the building and one day just died in this upper room and the building sat empty for you know a few decades and then finally somebody put a to let or you know to our you know to you know my fellow americans to rent sign out front and um when somebody moved in that just breathed life into this this mad ghost and you know what just went to hell straight from there but you know you know but it's a story you know and from what i understand about mags brothers they don't like this story and they don't want people traipsing through their building looking for something that that's more than likely not even there they, they there was a period during the 1960s uh when visits to the building were were more sort of cordially welcomed but then it started mm -hmm. to get as you say it started to get a little bit ridiculous um, silly. Right. It, it was it was included in in some of the walking tours for a period in the 60s uh, some of the horror mm -hmm. walk tours and people you know were able to visit that particular i think it was the third floor um yeah oh so it would be the fourth floor for americans who count the first floor as the ground floor and yeah um okay but but nowadays, no, it's absolutely out of bounds um, to visitors, which is a great shame. I, I mean, you can go stand outside it, and I have done, and it is a landmark story in uh, right. in, in ghost ghost law. It's been, you know, it was written down in almost every ghost book as a fact, uh, but it was yeah. it was it was debunked a number of years ago by by investigators who went backwards through the records and discovered that. Um, in actual fact, the building was never abandoned. It was never without tenants, and the murders, you know, the, the these the events that were reported there, which should have been reported and recorded by the police, were never, never, you know, never documented. So therefore, almost invariably, never took place. Right, and you know, and I think that that I think that that's good that owners do that because, you know, if if you it, it's it's their property. If they don't want people in their property then there is absolutely no reason for you to try and trespass or there's no reason for you to say, oh, hey, if I offer you a little bit of money, can you let me in here to look for ghosts? We have a real problem in the United States with, um, with ghost hunters, um, <laughs> demonologists, whatever, going into these um, haunted, uh, allegedly haunted locations that are owned by private owners and um, they they somehow they somehow feel that they're entitled to do so, and it's like, no, man, this is not your property. You don't belong there. And if you go to jail, well, that's on you. Personally, I think you should be jailed. 
we we haven't had that situation quite so badly here in the UK. Uh, we've had one or two minor incidents of break-ins, break-and-enters um, on the grounds that they wanted to gain access to. Um, but we haven't had uh, anything like the damage or the the sense of entitlement you know, simply because the place is haunted and I am a ghost hunter, therefore I demand the right to access that, that particular property. It doesn't seem to happen in the UK. You know, that's the interesting thing, too, is that, uh, you know, many ghost hunters do think they're entitled. I, I know that uh, some of the older ghost hunting groups would investigate a place and build a rapport with a particular uh, owner or everything, and, and they had their place investigated. They were satisfied with that. Yet every yeah. ghost hunter or ghost hunting group after that has decided that, you know, they can go in and do it bigger and better and they should be able to. And they don't understand why they can't. Do you know what's even more horrible now? And what we do get a lot of in the UK is uh, ghost investigation groups trying to get the jump on one another with location. So one group will, will oh. have a, a rapport with a location and then they will another group will come along. And they will either offer more money or better facilities or better services, and then they then they start to claim exclusivity, which means that you have to book your events <laughs> either either via them or have them go along as almost caretakers um, of you know whilst you're trying to conduct your own investigation. That's this this um, this getting the jump on one another and exclusivity is very is a very common trend now here in the UK. Yeah, it happens in the US well, as well. Oh, yeah, it happens all the time. You know, I, I see like uh, things on Facebook or in, you know, another social media outlet where they're like, we have, you know, we're, we're a group of, we have exclusive rights to take people on ghost tours or take um, investigations around this site. One of the places that I can think of um, is, is not too far from me in Waukegan, Illinois. Um, it, I'm not going to say, well, not. Go on, name names. The, say the location or the names, but I've actually helped um, this group in in this in this place, and they they will they absolutely will not allow anybody else in this place because it is their domain, and it's like that that does more of a disservice to this field than than any than anything else. I think because you are setting yourself, you're, you're setting, you're, you're setting the precedence that this is your place. Nobody else is allowed here. And I think what happens is, is that that could cause people to do things like fakery or make up stories or um, intentionally cause hoaxes just so they can bilk people out of their money and, you know, keep business going. And that, that's just, to me, that's that's not just unethical. That's immoral. I I, I don't know. I, I I don't know how you guys feel about that. But I'm I'm thinking you I'm thinking you might be on the same page. To an, to a degree, but um, with some of the cases that we have worked on in the past here in the UK, what we try to do is not gain exclusivity because it's not our building and we have no right to. But what we try to do throughout the period of an active investigation is to. Mm -hmm persuade the building owner not to allow any any other group to come in during that period because having two groups or multiple groups in at the same time can 
it, it causes a lot of confusion. It causes problems for all parties. So what we what we have said in the past is, you know, whilst we're conducting the investigation, you have every right to invite whoever you like into the building. However, it would be helpful if you didn't until we complete our, our investigation. Yeah, I... I think the, you know what what Harry Price did in Boiley Rectory is is really the, the way to do it. You know, yeah. you can rent the place out, well. conduct your proper investigation mm-hmm. without any interference, and and uh, you know complete it. Yeah, I mean, in an ideal right. world, that that would be the perfect way to conduct an investigation is to take control of the building. But the, you then risk okay. changing the conditions because if if the reports and the experiences took place while the homeowners were there and you chuck them out... Well, you wouldn't chuck them are, out. I mean, I well, wouldn't. Well, yeah, but, I mean, in the case of Borley, it didn't matter because it was, it was vacant. Right. Um, but, right. you know, certainly we would not welcome the, the addition of another paranormal team alongside us uh, also conducting an investigation because you end up in a in a horribly confusing situation for oh absolutely for all parties and and you know what's intriguing too is is the more ghost hunting groups you get in the more uh, sometimes <laughs> conflicting evidence that you, if you want to use that term loosely and and I know just recently uh, in the past well excuse me we did an investigation at this house and. Uh, uh, a couple of years later, it's gone by, and uh, we got a a, a a note from the Travel Channel doing a haunting, and they wanted us to give us the the you know the information that we got from there, which we were glad to because it belonged to the owners, not really us. So um, then the next thing we know, we we found out that uh, they had sent another group in, and and they said there were all kinds of demons and stuff there. So it, you know. Oh. We, that's why we never get involved with those shows. I mean, it's just crazy. How, how could you possibly miss the yeah. demons, Ron? Oh, they hide. Oh. That was their. That was their. Oh, I hate it. I, I, I really hate it when they do that because it makes <laughs> yeah, you, they hide on you. It just makes you look so dumb. I know. It's 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 just ridiculous. Uh, the, the I don't know, and you know, the tricky thing, and and I don't know about you, Rick or, or Steve, uh, is is that you know demons are a pretty if you believe them, they're a pretty serious business, and it's something that really belongs to, to professionals. I mean, the Catholic Church has been doing it for hundreds of years, and, and they don't just send some guy out in two minutes. They have proper training and everything, and just because, unfortunately, a lot of people see these shows on TV, they think they're demonologists now, and they go out there, they can tell you who the demon is, what he is, what's the proper thing, and all this stuff. It, it drives oh, me nuts. Yeah, no, it, it, and it's and I'm 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 totally on board with that. I'm, I feel the same way. Like, I've actually had people contact me through email or through um, you know private mess or personal messenger or whatever. It's like you know, hey man, where are the demons? And it's like, hey man, why would you want to mess with something like that? Assuming exactly. they exist, these are these are beings that have the ability to turn your life into a living hell. And I and I just tell people, you know, in in, in Whenever I'm a guest on a show, it always inevitably turns to demons. And I just tell people, it's like, I have no interest in religious phenomena at all. And the only reason that I've researched and studied the um, the literature on the subject was so I can dispel some of the, um, you know, um, 
some of the things that people say, like one of the things that really, really, pardon my French, bugs the living shit out of me is when people will call a poltergeist a demon. And mm-hmm. that is like, I, I'm, I'm the kind of person I have very few pet peeves in life, but that one is a big pet peeve of mine because it is not a demonic entity. A poltergeist, according to traditional parapsychology, is, you know, out of control psychic energy that comes from a person. Recurrent spontaneous psychokinesis. That's one theory. They've called it. Yeah, and I mean, and 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 that's and that's a theory that I'm on board with. I, mm-hmm. um, a few years ago, and actually, I talk about it in in my new book, um, "Behold, Shocking True Tales of Terror." Dot dot dot, and some other spooky stuff. Sorry, Rick, Rick we hadn't home. forgotten. We hadn't forgotten. We've got. We're going to do the big book plug in the second half. <laughs> oh no, that's okay. Because, but I mean, because I just, everybody's. I just wanted... Because Ron's got one to sell as well at the moment, so uh, we're going to do yeah. book plugging no. in, in part two. <laughs> right. No, I, I just felt that it was, you know, salient yeah, to, right. you know, the, the, the course of the conversation. Um, a couple of years ago, I well, no, actually it was maybe about five or six years ago, I get a phone call from a friend of mine and a colleague who is also a psychic medium that I've worked with for a long time. And um, she told me that she had a friend who was experiencing some incredibly intense activity in her home. And she had already had a ghost hunting group come to her house, and I'm not going to say their name, but um, they told her that, well, your house is infested with demons. And now here's the kicker, and here's the thing that pissed me off to no end. They told this woman that, her autistic daughter was possessed by the devil. Ouch. My head almost exploded. Uh, I called this woman. My my colleague and friend gave me her number, and I called this poor lady, and she lives in Aurora, Illinois, or at least I haven't spoken to her in years. But uh, she lives in Aurora, Illinois, and she had just moved into this house. She had just gotten out of a marriage with a husband who was a deplorable human being. He was a drunk. He was a drug addict. He was abusive. He was cheating. He was horrible to their to their daughter, who was you know of special needs. Kick the and dog. She, I'm sorry. What? Kick the dog. Kick the dog. Never mind. <laughs> You portray oh, it as horrible, I, so you have to kick a dog. Yeah, well, that yeah, I'm, I'm um, well, you know, let's presumably say that 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 happened to. Anyways, she had just moved into this house. She had nothing. She had no money to her name whatsoever. She was going through a divorce with this horrible guy, and then she moves into this house, and then she has all of this like weird stuff kick up in the house. Um, she has things moving on their own, furniture moving, and um, she's got books flying off, off the shelves. She's got things falling off the walls. To me, what this woman was experiencing was a classic poltergeist type. Well, just a break. We have to uh, take a break right now. Those are the tunes. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Special Guest Right back. Welcome to Talking Net. 
Radio with a cutting edge. Hi, Steve Parsons here looking for sea monsters in Tenby, West Wales. And I'll be over in New England looking for your sea monsters this coming fall. Join me, Ron Kolek, and a host of others at Spirit Quest 2018. We'll see you there. And spooky, they all talk ugly gooky. The Parrax family, the shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal. The Parrax family, they're strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Parrax family. International, the only show that treats its trailers like old Christmas decorations and forgets to take them down when they're past their date. (laughs) With New England's own Van Helsing, the gold standard in ghost hunting, and our guest tonight, author and ghost investigator, ghost hunter, Rick Hale. Who was talking about Portuguese before before the break interrupted it? Yeah, I'm sorry about that. it wasn't your fault. The, yeah, it was we, my fault. We shot the producer. Oh, yes. Put him out the pasture. <laughs> so, okay. So as, as I was saying, you know, I, I, I called this woman on the phone and I spoke to her and she was telling me of all the stuff that was happening in her house. And I told her, I said, what it sounds like is, is that you are experiencing uh, classic poltergeist activity. And of course, you know, I had to explain to her what a poltergeist is because she wasn't, um, familiar, she was familiar with the term, but she wasn't familiar with the, um, with everything that surrounds it. And uh, I told her, I'm like, your house is not infested with demons. Your daughter who has special needs. And, um, um, before, before I got sick and uh, lost my leg, I worked with, uh, these kind of children. And, um, and I, I explained to her that, and it, it's in my opinion that you are unwittingly, and believe me, and I told her, I said, it's no fault of your own because you do not understand this. You don't know that you're doing this, um, but you're unwittingly releasing this power. So I suggested to her as an experiment, mind you, I suggested to her, I'm like, why don't you see if you can talk to somebody so you can get this this um this anger and this rage out of you and she did she talked to a licensed clinical social worker and within two weeks of her talking to this lcsw the activity in her house stopped and 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 the whole idea came to me from um you know reading up on nando uh uh um nando frodor uh, and his belief that 
um, psychotherapy can help people who are going through um, poltergeist situations. And, um, and, and to me, that just confirmed his theory and confirmed to me that this is what that she was dealing with. But it just, it made me so angry to hear that somebody would say that a special needs child, an autistic child was harboring the devil. I was, I, I don't, it, it takes a lot to really, really make me angry. This made me angry. Yeah, that's, that's pretty sad. In response, Rick, I would say, do not come over here. Uh, you will be permanently angry at some of the antics that our groups have got up to down the years. Um, <laughs> that, that w- they would make your blood boil. Um, you know, I, I, well, I'm sure that they I, wouldn't, I, but I mean... Well, I've been involved in cases where the, 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 the people who had called in the ghost investigator uh, had ultimately mm-hmm. required uh, psychological support and counselling as a direct result of what the ghost hunters were doing. Uh, sure. Rather than, you know, I mean, ghost hunters are way more dangerous than, uh, than spirits and any demon that you would encounter. Yeah, I, I, would much rather, I would much rather go head to head with, a, you know, a, um, one of Zach's demons than face some of the ghost hunting groups that are out there. <laughs> you know, I've I, I have that, that that is just one example of a mess that I've had to clean up. Uh, me, 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 for example, I specialize or, you know, used to kind of temporarily uh, retired at the moment, just, just temporarily um, specialized in in private home investigations. And when I do an investigation, it is me, an assistant. And if I'm working with a psychic medium at the time, then, you know, I'll, I'll have a psychic medium along. And it's just the two or it's just the three of us. I keep when I do an investigation, I believe in being as, you know, not very intrusive. I believe in keeping it very simple, very light. And the last thing I ever want to do is scare somebody. You get a lot of ghost hunting groups that go into a two bedroom house with, you know, three or four people living in it and the second they walk in the door, they are scaring the hell out of this family. And it's like I tell people, it's like our job as ghost hunters, paranormal investigators, whatever, your job is to, you know, help people understand what they may or may not have going on in their home. Your job is not to scare them. This is not a TV show. You don't have to worry about ratings. True enough. But, I mean, in recent years, you know, I've noticed a distinctive change. I don't know if you've noticed it, Ron, where because of the media, because of what they see on television, because of what Zach gets up to and Jason and and all the others, um, their their expectation of you as an investigator coming along has now changed. Uh, And some people are genuinely disappointed when you don't turn up with four, four blacked out SUVs and, you know, a half a hundred weights of equipment and yeah. don't start using, you know, immediately pull out the SLS camera and all of the crazy gadgets. You know, so they don't think you're a proper investigator. This is true. You know, you have to, we've had to adapt 
uh, you know, our approach to deal with people's expectations when they, when we arrive at their properties. Now, it used to be a very discreet thing because you were more akin to the rat, the rat exterminator, uh, turning up, and they, yeah. they didn't want the neighbours to know that, you, that, that there was anything untoward with the property. Now, if you don't rock up, you know, as I say, with a, a film crew and the blacked out SUVs, then you ain't a proper real ghost hunter. And the black T-shirts. Only uh, and the end, the body only, armor, SWAT gear. I'd forgotten about Yeah, that. yeah. I mean, the only reason I own black T-shirts are because I'm colorblind, <laughs> not because, you know, it, it makes me look tough or anything like that. But, yeah, I, I think that there that there is an expectation. I've gone to several home investigations where I've had people say to me, don't swear in my home. I, I, I may have, uh, uh, um, I, I may use colorful language quite a bit, uh, but never when I'm in somebody's home or don't provoke our spirits because we have to live with them. And I, I would never dream of doing any of that kind of thing. Like you said, Steve, it is, it, it should be something that's discreet. I don't want these, I don't want my clients, um, neighbors knowing that, that they think they have a ghost in their house. I just want them to think, oh, well, who are these people that are coming to visit? I've never seen them before. And then leave it at that. So, Rick, when you do an investigation, what, what is the goal of the investigation? Goal of the investigation for me is, is not so much to prove that um, ghosts exist. I know that that's become like a huge thing and I hate the word proof, but um, these people, they call me to their house. They think they have something going on. They either want me to confirm it for them or show them that there's something different that's going on. And I think that that's the goal um, to, to, to a private home investigation to just confirm or deny that something is going on in their home because there are, there are a, a dozens of other things that could be causing you to believe um, that you have uh, a spirit in your house. They could have problems with uh, high elect, um, 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 the uh, high, uh, high electromagnetic fields. They could have problems with infrasound. They could be experiencing low-level dosages of carbon monoxide that's actually poisoning them, poisoning them and causing them to think like they're um, either seeing something or you know, causing paranoia and nausea. I think that the goal there is to just show somebody, okay, you, maybe you, you, I have this here and I can show this to you and show you that, okay, you do have something in your home that is not, you know, natural. And I'm, yes, I'm using air quotes. That's not natural. Or I have found evidence to show that you, you know, maybe you need to have an electrician come into your home and fix your wiring or maybe you need to have um, a heating and air conditioning guy come in and check your or check your furnace for you know low levels of carbon monoxide. I think the goal there is just to confirm what they do or maybe what they don't have, and to help them not be afraid if they do have something in their home. This is their home. I'm there to just teach them to either help them get rid of what they have. And I've worked with some psychic mediums in the past that, that are able to do that or teach them how to live 
with their, you know, goals. Well, let me ask you this, Jerick. You, you said you work with psychic mediums in the past to, to, to do that. How, how do you tell what's there and how do you tell it's gone? Well, to tell us something is there, I, 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 let me just, let me just clarify when I say, you know, in the time that I've been in the field, I've met dozens of people who claim to have the gift, but I can really only count on one hand. And by one hand, I mean maybe three people that I've worked with that I believe that have a gift. Um, I trust their gift. I've worked with them long enough to know that they're not going to BS me. And um, if they're able to cleanse, there I am again using air quotes, cleanse the house, and then, you know, they, the homeowner doesn't have anything else there, then I know that the job was done by the um, psychic medium. Now, I'm not one of these people who are like, you know, I have to go in and I have to rescue this spirit and I got to run in there and act like a, like a superhero. I, I have got all the answers. Um, an old martial arts teacher of mine once told me, okay, the three most, you can never be afraid to say the, the three most dangerous words in the English language. And they are, I don't know. If you can say that, that's fine. But those people, they called you there to try and help answer their questions. If you don't know, be prepared to try and find out. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that's, you know, with working with psychic mediums, you just, you have to be able to work with somebody that you, not only do you trust them as a person, but you also trust this amazing gift that they have. Okay. That's fair enough. Now, the, the other thing I want to talk about is, is you talked about a, a lot of different things about possible what was causing the phenomena in the house. So you must have a big kit when you go to these houses and stuff. You know what? I don't, but I have people, I have friends who are electricians. I have friends who are carpenters. I have so did they go with you? Who, no, I, it, no, they don't. But if they'll let me, the, you know, if they'll let me use their equipment after I've been properly trained on the usage of the equipment, then you know, if, if they'll let me borrow it, then I'll borrow it. And I've had to do it once or twice in the past. And I have, and there's been a couple of investigations where, yeah, I did find low levels of carbon monoxide in the house and it was making the people sick. And I told them, I'm like, you know, I'm finding this here. You guys need to protect yourself and have detectors in your house. Otherwise this is only going to get worse and it's only going to make you more sick. So it's like if I have a friend who has equipment that I can use like that, and if they want to come along, cool. But if they, if they can just loan it to me, you know, that's fine too. Now, Rick, um, you have a new book out I've noticed on Amazon and social media. Yeah. Uh, would, you like to, is... would you like to tell us about it? <laughs> Yeah, as, as I've already mentioned, as I've already like shamelessly plugged the uh, title. Well, I think uh... this is probably a unique show. I don't think this has ever happened before where uh, all three, the, the two hosts and the guests, have all got brand new books out and they're all in the process of trying desperately to get people to buy their books. Um, yeah. You know, all three of us are currently in that situation, but you're the guest. Okay. Um, thank you. Um, 
yeah, it, it's called uh, Behold, uh, Shocking True Tales of Terror, dot, 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 and some other spooky stuff. Um, it's basically stories of my own investigations that I've done over the years. And, um, you know, little things that I've learned along the way, like, for example, we were just talking about, um, you know, you know, things with infrasound and, uh, and carbon monoxide and, and high EMFs. Um, you know, things like that, you know, things on hoaxing and, and demonology and you know, God, I, I can't even stand using that word, but, um, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, and I end it with, um, I think a lot of people are going to be surprised at the end of the, the very last chapter of the book. I go into great detail of my battle with, um, synovial cell sarcoma which is a very rare form of cancer and um, that I was diagnosed with. It's going to be two years here in a couple of weeks, and I lost my left, my left leg below the knee to it. And, um, you know, talking about the last chapter is about my, my, my battle with it and learning to walk again and learning to accept myself for the difference that I have now. And, um, you know, I, I'm hoping that people will enjoy the stories of, you know, my own investigations. And I'm hoping that, you know, maybe they could learn a little something as well. You've and, touched um, on, yeah, I, with, with uh, that last, your, your, um, your uh, recent illness and recovery, yeah. ha, has the alteration in your abilities changed the, your approach to the the way that you investigate or uh, has it altered your perception of the case of, of, of the way that the investigations are conducted? Well, I haven't, I have not been on any investigations. Uh, the last investigation I was on was probably about two months before my diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'm still, I'm still like in the recovery phase of, um, you know, learning, how to be best friends with my prosthetic leg and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, learning to trust it and, you know, balance and, and all that. But um, if, if there, if there's one thing that, that really helped me because anytime anybody gets that diagnosis of cancer, it is automatically you think, Oh my God, I'm going to die. I mean, that, that that's only natural. Um, I've had a couple deaths in my own family because of cancer. But I think that my experiences as an investigator of, um, of ghostly phenomena has only really kind of given me the, um, the peace that I needed that, that if I were to die and thankfully I'm, you know, I am cancer free. Um, or NED, as they call it, no evidence of disease. Um, it gave me that comfort to know that when I die, that a piece of me does go on. And um, I think that it is definitely, it, it's, it's made me a more calm person, you know, a more patient person, and a more forgiving person. And um, anybody who survives cancer, just about anybody who survives cancer, will tell you that that those are, that, that that's how cancer changes them, and you know, or surviving cancer. 
you know, I used to, I used to, for the longest time there, I thought to myself, it's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a survivor of cancer. And it's like, yeah, you know, whatever, it's not a big deal, but it is a big deal because the kind of cancer that I had kills far more than it, than people surviving as like an 80% mortality rate because it's so rare and it's so incredibly misunderstood. So I and, guess you're um, really lucky there. That's good, Rick. Glad to hear <laughs> yeah, that. I guess you could say I am lucky. Um, a, a, a friend of mine who is a, uh, who is a spiritualist told me, you know, that, uh, that, the, that, 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 that the spirits must have been looking out for me that day. And it's like, yeah, I, 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 I think that, you know, maybe that is the case. I, I don't know, but it's definitely, you know, changed me in some very fundamentally physical, you know, physical, spiritual, and, and mental ways. And where can people buy your new book? Where is uh, it? They available? can find it at Amazon. It's available uh, through Amazon. And um, so it came my, out first in the UK, is, didn't it, weirdly? It did. My my publisher is actually out of Glasgow, Scotland, uh-huh. and um, I'm I'm going to pronounce it as it appears. It's it's um, looks like um, Beul Atris Publishing, but it's pronounced. And I hope my publisher doesn't want to kill me when I say it. But it's pronounced um, Baeul Ayersh. No and idea. Uh, we need Stephen Scott on. Yeah. He's from, he's from. Yeah, we better call him up. See if we can yeah. get a translation. <laughs> yeah, it it, 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 basically it means folklore. That's what it means. Mm-hmm. So no, yeah, pretty, it, uh, it came out. In, it came out in the UK first. Now, if if people wanted to get in touch with you, how could they do that? Well, they can get in touch through me uh, with me through Facebook. Um, I'm on. You know, both of your guys' friends list, just look up Rick Hale and you'll see my picture there, me standing in in the uh in a mirror in um my prosthetist office <laughs> taking a selfie of myself. Um but uh yeah, you know, through Facebook or they can or also I'm a um I also write I'm 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 an associate editor for the spook uh where I write on Basically, haunted travel, um, all of the uh, haunted hotels around um, England. Cool. So that's where people can find me. You need Excellent. to visit some of the haunted hotels around about England. But before you go, Rick, um, I've got one yes. small bone to pick with you. Uh-oh. Just oh, a teensy one. Because I, I do, I read all, uh, most of your stories about the, the British cases. Um, and you, you, did, you did a series and you... you repeat it once in a while where you talk about notable English cases and as a as an Englishman uh, I've got to point okay. out several of them actually refer to Scotland which isn't England right and it's you yeah know, you would be offended if I called called North America Mexico yeah same thing no actually it's I gonna really be. wouldn't <laughs> but um, uh, no I, 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 get, I get what you're saying <laughs> I'm England, not sure England you, I'm not is not Scotland, and Scotland is not England. So, uh, it is, but it is, but it is part of the United Kingdom, right? Uh, well, we bump along together under that title. Yes, we we all love love okay. one another dearly, um, and we we bump okay. along. But when the Scots don't periodically try to uh, go their separate way, <laughs> well, if I offended, I apologize. 
Well, no, it was no offence, but it's just a geographical, you know, sort of. Uh, it's actually quite a common mistake. I notice when whenever I'm talking to Americans or actually in America, um, mm-hmm. the Americans have this this notion that there are the Welsh, the Irish, the Scots, and the Brits. Mm-hmm. They forget that they always refer to the Brits as the English or the English as Brits, but actually it's four nations together as Britain, Great Britain, or the United Kingdom. Okay. The two are not the same, but they're similar. Um, okay. I, wa- I once spent an hour trying to explain, Ron, the difference between the United Kingdom and Great Britain. Well, and okay. Ga- ga- okay. You asked me if I care. Well, you asked me. No. You no. Did. Did. Anyways, Rick, any, what's coming up for you? I'm sorry, what? What's coming up for you in the future? You know what? I'm still trying to uh, get myself back to where I used to be. You know, I'm a little bit different now, but, um, you know, I'm hoping that one day I can get back to investigating and uh, I'm still writing. Um, Actually, I have another book coming out next year. It's on um, it's actually a two part book. The first part is called Bullets, Booze and Babes, The Haunted Criminal History of Chicago. And cool. the uh, second part of the book is called Welcome to Illinois, Come for the Hospitality, Stay for the Weirdness. And uh, that also is going to be published by um, Bayou Ithras Publishing. And um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm still writing, still uh, writing uh, every once in a while for Paranormal Underground magazine and uh, still doing the work for um, uh, SpookyIslands.com. So, you know, I mean... Uh, very few people in this in, in existence can ever tell you the future, so I I don't know. We'll see what comes next, but very I'm excited well. to find out. Well, good luck with the future, and uh, good luck with the, the upcoming book that's already out, which is one more time. It is called "Behold: Shocking True Tales of Terror." Dot dot dot, and some other spooky stuff. And also, too, people can also find my first book still at Amazon, which came out about five years ago. It's um, it's called the Geek's Guide to the Strange and Unusual: Poltergeist, Ghosts, and Demons. There we are. So check out Rick's books on Amazon.com and go find him on Facebook. So I want to thank you, Rick, for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. It's always an honor to talk to you guys. I believe you've had some snow in Illinois. We did the other day. I was like, I, I looked outside. I, I, I saw the up, uh, WTF post. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I couldn't believe it, but you know, it, it's it, my, my wife and I were celebrating our uh, 16th wedding anniversary here, and um, we are rather we just celebrated it on October 18th. And I remember on the last day of our honeymoon in uh, 2002, we got about an inch of snow on the ground, so it's not unheard of. Here we are. Well, we're not far behind you. We have snow forecast for this coming weekend. Oh, bummer. Well, thank you, Rick. Thanks for having me on, guys. Cheers. Uh, Ron, you've got something tonight, haven't you? You've got to rush off in a in a whirl shortly because you've got a, bit, a busy evening ahead promoting your book. Yeah, more Ghost go- Chronicles, more, 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 more Ghost, Ghost Chronicles, whatever you want to call it. Yep, doing so, that at Circles of Wisdom, the new Circles of Wisdom in Methuen. Yeah, so a uh, space is available. Should anybody be foolhardy enough to want to pop along? Whatever, whatever they want. What time's it start? I don't know, seven o'clock or something. <laughs> yes. 
Who cares? Well, your publisher will care for a start. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, you you've the got money, your book You've out. got to sell the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I've got a book out too called, well, the Society for Psychical Research have a new book out. And uh, the book launch for that is now scheduled to be in December. Right. And of course, we we announced, uh, I think it was we last did. week, the week before, of course, that Spirit Quest 2019 X-Files will be uh, September 27th, 28th and 29th. We did, and we have a new trailer for it, I believe. Did you see the video not, today? Not yet. It won't yep. be out until November. No, I mean, the public won't see it, but we've seen it. Yeah, anyway, so there you go. And uh, Very you good. can always listen to me because I'll be uh, on Midnight in the Desert, which is <laughs> Midnight in the Desert, all right. It's like 3 o'clock in the morning. So. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Now you know how we feel. Yeah. Anyway, that's a, Marla does that to me every time we do. I do Marla's show. So I'll also be doing a lecture on the thirtieth at uh, twelve thirty at Northern Essex Community College, and uh, one of the Tixbury Library on the 29th and one at East Bridgewater on Library on the thirtieth. So there you go. This busy, 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 busy. twos. We got to go. It huh? is the change. You've got to go. You've got to go right. and sell books. Till next time. Goodbye. Good night. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good law.